Some topics discussed on Blackbird and Advocacy Podcast can be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Blackbirds. Welcome to episode 47 of Blackbird and Advocacy Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Sarah. And again, we are without Dan because he is at work. (laughs) So I am kind of going to make um, like a broad sweep this week of our last four episodes for the month of April because it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month and uh, we have a very special 50th coming out on Friday, April 30th. So uh, we need to kind of get the other three out, 47, 48, and 49. So um, I'm sorry that we've been so off schedule. Uh, We haven't really been releasing specifically on Sundays and we haven't been releasing Psyche Saturdays. Um, Again, it's just a really busy time of year. And uh, my apologies if you all were looking for a particular schedule, but at least we are getting the episodes out and we're getting these these stories told. And that's the most important part. So As I mentioned, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and so we are continuing our journey to 50 episodes by highlighting some of the cases we found to be most important to discuss during this Awareness Month. So today's case may sound slightly familiar just because it is similar to another case that we covered um, a few episodes ago. I can't remember which episode number. Let me see if I can go find that. So it was episode 41, the murder of Alyssa Nosita. So it may sound a little similar uh, to that one based on the facts of the case. So here we go. Brandon Lee Dye was born November 4th, 1988. From what I could find on his Facebook page, because it is always very difficult to find information about the victims of these cases, it is much easier to find information about the perpetrators, which is completely unfair because we really need to remember the victims, not the perpetrators. We don't want to care about the perpetrators. We care about the the victims. So to find information about them is is sometimes very, very difficult. And a lot of times that's because the media wants to sensationalize the facts of the case in particular rather than the person that it happened to. A lot of times when you will find information about the the victim, it's because the family has created a memorial, you know, Facebook page or website or whatever it is. Um, In this case, I'll kind of get into it at the end. That probably didn't happen for Brandon for uh, specific reasons. So when I tried to dig into who Brandon was, um, I really could only find his Facebook page. So According to his Facebook page, it seemed that he had struggled with addiction for a long while, and he acknowledged that he had a lot of grief and trauma 
that he needed to work through and alluded to his drug use being caused by this trauma. So I'll try to explain a little bit about that again at the end of this episode. So on the night of July 15th, 2019, in Virginia, Brandon was at home with his girlfriend, Megan Ann Walthall. The two partook in some drug use, namely heroin, and Brandon ultimately began overdosing on the drug. Walthall called 911 to report Brandon had become unresponsive. He was taken to Mary Washington Hospital and was pronounced dead. The scene was investigated per protocol, and a search turned up drugs, paraphernalia, and a video that was recorded that night. On this video was evidence of Walthall laughing as she sexually abused a dying Brandon. Further evidence showed that Walthall waited approximately 45 minutes before calling 911. So if this sounds kind of similar, uh, kind of familiar, it's because it is very similar to the Alyssa Nasita case where her perpetrator plied her with drugs. So he actually was the the reason for her her drug use that night gave her drugs. She began overdosing and he sexually assaulted her. He raped her while she was dying of an overdose and he took pictures of it. He laughed about it. He sent uh, laughing texts and some pictures to his friends and coworkers and decided he was not going to call 911. He, when she died, he uh, wanted to bury her. He wanted to hide the body, um, but it was ultimately found out that he had killed her and and sexually abused her and uh and he was you know taken to jail but that case was we we discussed that case because he basically got a slap on the wrist for it which was really unfortunate um but it's just it's so sickening to me that people do this and and i know it happens and it probably happens more than we we know because a lot of times you know people are unconscious when this is happening. And again, you know, we talk about it all the time, but um, rape and, and sexual abuse and all of that is is because of it's it's a power and control thing. It's not a sexual thing. So the fact that he was now dying in front of her and she took it upon herself to sexually abuse him because she wanted to get that control over him. And then she laughed about it and recorded it and, and thought it was a funny situation is absolutely disgusting and heinous. And it just it, it makes me incredibly angry. And I don't I don't even know how to explain what I feel when I when I read cases like this. So Walthall was arrested, thankfully, and charged with abusing an incapacitated adult, sexual battery, and two counts of possessing illegal drugs, to which she pleaded guilty to all. She was sentenced to 16 years in prison. Good. <laughs> The kicker, in my opinion, is that her defense attorney tried to justify her sexually abusing Brandon and recording it by saying she was doing it in order to show him later 
so he would realize why he needs to quit doing drugs. Now, I know this is a defense attorney's job, but please, there is absolutely never a justification for sexual abuse. Never. This is just another case of victim blaming and taking the responsibility off of the perpetrator. And it is bullshit. And again, it is why rape culture is perpetuated in the society because people are constantly victim blaming. It is not Brandon's fault that he was sexually abused by this disgusting human. It was her fault. She is the reason it happened. She decided that while he was unconscious and dying, like, let that sink in. He was dying. He wasn't just incapacitated. He wasn't just, you know, high. He wasn't just unconscious. He wasn't just sleeping. He was actively dying. And she decided it was going to be a fun and funny thing to do that she would later, according to her attorney, show him to make him stop doing drugs. I'm sorry, the fact that she's laughing about it just goes to show that she did not take this seriously. It was not a serious situation for her. It was an opportunity that she thought she was going to get control over. And look what it did. It got her 16 years in prison. It's disgusting. We need to stop victim blaming. We need to put the pressure on the perpetrators. We need to place the responsibility on the perpetrators, not the victims. It is never, never a victim's fault. Ever. Brandon Dye was 30 years old when he died. And in the beginning of this episode, I did talk about the fact that he had written on his Facebook page a lot about grief and trauma. And again, part of my digging was to find out what exactly that grief and trauma was from. And from what I could find, now there is no um, specific corroboration between these cases, but it seems like uh, we can safely assume that they are indeed correlated because of the locations and the names of the people in the cases and um, all of that stuff. So I'm believing that his, his most of his grief and trauma, and there could be plenty more, um, as we know, it's not just one thing. Usually there's a lot of stuff that, that goes into it, but um, his mother, Brenda Dye, and again, this is pure speculation, but she did have a son named Brandon Dye. And again, it was in the same uh, county and, and town as where Brandon was from. Brenda Dye was murdered by her daughter, Ashley. And if that is indeed Brandon's mother, then Ashley would have been Brandon's sister. So... This case came up because when I was searching for Brandon's name, the name of Brenda Dye came up. And so 
when I was reading Brandon's obituary, all I could find was Brandon Lee Die 30 of Stafford County passed away Monday, July 15th, 2019 at his home. And then there was information about um, a celebration of life memorial for him. There was nothing else about, you know, he's survived by so-and-so as there normally is in an, ob- in an obituary. And again, I think that's because this is indeed his family and they didn't necessarily want to put in any information about them. So Brenda Dye, let's talk about her for a moment. Brenda Dye was shot and killed by her 17-year-old daughter, Ashley Dye. Ashley was dating a man named um, Eddie Tuning, who was 18 years old. And it seemed as though the family disapproved of their relationship and did not like Tuning uh, very much. So it, according to the information that I have gotten about this case, it seems as though Ashley decided she was going to kill her mother so that she could be with her boyfriend. And she had only been with her boyfriend for four months. So she decided she was going to kill her mother over a four month long relationship. Now, not only did she shoot her in the face, but she stabbed her multiple times as well. And they were calling it a premeditated crime leading to Brenda's death. And she was 62 years old at the time. So text messages came about to show that Ashley Dye and her boyfriend Tuning had conspired to kill uh, Brenda. So again, it was basically showing that this indeed was premeditated. For how long, we, we don't know exactly, but that's that's what, what happened in this case. Um, and according to the Potomac local, and again, I'll put all of this in the show notes, Die had confessed to um, the Stafford County detective Chris Cameron during her second interview. And she told the the police that the text messages with tuning on the day of the murder were focused on the crime she was about to commit. So she indeed said that these text messages were in reference to killing her mother. Um, after she killed her mother, she went to McDonald's and then went to work as if nothing happened. And later they found that Brenda had been shot and obviously all of this came about to, to prove that Ashley and Tuning were the perpetrators in this case. So I bring that up because (laughs) if Brenda was indeed Brandon's mother, we can understand why he had so much trauma and grief from earlier in his life. This had happened in 2012, I believe. So this was years before he... um, he died. So 
if there is a correlation, if Brenda was indeed his mother and Ashley was indeed his sister, it is completely understandable for him to to fall into a, um, a, a cycle of grief and and potentially lean towards drugs to cope with the fact that his sister had murdered his mother. And it's really, really, it's just, it's a, the whole situation is such a sad situation. And my heart goes out to this family because they've been through so, so, so much. And I really, I hope that they have tried to find some healing and some peace in in what has happened and I I can't imagine that that's easy (laughs) um but I I just I hope that they've been able to come out the other side as best as they they possibly can in the case of Brenda Ashley Dye was sentenced to 48 years in prison for the murder of her mother And her obituary, Brenda's obituary, was a lot more extensive than Brandon's obituary. So I'm going to read it now. Brenda Joyce Dye, 62, of Stafford County, passed away Tuesday, July 5th, 2011. Brenda loved spending time with her family. She is survived by her husband, Ronald Lloyd Dye Sr., four sons, David, Ronnie, Scott, and Brandon Dye, and a daughter, Ashley, die. And then it goes on to inform of the memorial service as well as a service for the family. So as you can see, it does say that she has a son, Brandon, but uh, and they're in the same location. So again, I'm just I'm I'm just speculating that this is indeed his his mother and that um, this could be a reason for his grief and trauma and drug use. And again, on his Facebook page, he really, he talked about how he struggled with it. He he talked about that it wasn't a life that he really wanted to live. It was just something that unfortunately was happening to him that he was maybe trying to get out of. And I, I don't know if his girlfriend um, possibly perpetuated that and, and, um, increased the amount of drugs that he was using or just provided drugs or I don't know. Of course, there's not a lot of information about that. Um, But from her Facebook page, it seemed that she had children and she, you know, would act as the loving girlfriend, posting pictures of them together and, you know, all lovey-dovey. And I think there was one part of their Facebook pages where it said that they were possibly engaged. Um, So I I don't know if that was true or if that was just something that was put on their Facebook. Um, But just because she acted the way that she did on Facebook and was pretending for the world doesn't mean that that was actually what was going on behind closed doors. So there could have been some sort of domestic situation going on between the two of them as well. I mean, you don't just start out by sexually abusing a dying person. 
there there probably was something more there there probably was something else going on prior to when Brandon overdosed and was essentially raped by by his girlfriend again it's very difficult to find information about any of this but that's my speculation you know statistics show that that's probably the case and again my my heart goes out to the entire die family just you know for for what they what they've endured over the past 10 years and my heart goes out to Walt Hall's children if those if those girls on her Facebook page were her were indeed her children are her children I should say she's still with us um then my heart goes to them too it's it's not easy to see your mother in prison and know that she was responsible for a lot of the damage caused to her boyfriend so my condolences to everybody in this situation. It's just, it's so horrible. And it just goes to show what, what life experiences can do to us and, and where they can lead us. And some of us can, can find ways out of that. And some of us can't. And unfortunately it led Brandon down a dark path that it seemed he wanted to get out of. And um, he he unfortunately couldn't. And his his girlfriend, and I'm putting that in air quotes, um, didn't seem to want to help. The fact that he was overdosing and she took it upon herself to do horrible, disgusting things to him instead of calling for help. She didn't want to help. She was not a help. She was not a good presence in his life. And I put all blame in that situation on her and thankfully she is in prison and will not be out for at least another I think uh 13 years something like that um so maybe it has helped her it is helping her I I don't know but we can we can only hope that when she does get out she will not be the same person that she was when she went in and so that is today's case of sexual assault. It can happen to anyone, anywhere, at any time. And that's why we bring these stories to you. So if you or someone you know has a story you would like to share on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. And we are still looking for submissions. They are due tomorrow, Wednesday, the 28th for our 50th episode, which will be out this Friday, April 30th. If you want to be a part of that, you can send us a 10 to 20 second audio clip of you telling us your name and why you advocate for trauma survivors, specifically sexual or domestic violence survivors and victims. And if you don't feel comfortable sending us a audio clip, an audio clip, you can email us just like a little paragraph and then we will read it on the air for you. And you can, of course, email that to blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com.
You can find us at all of our social medias and all podcast platforms through our bite size, B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E dot M-E slash Blackbird Advocacy. And that is all for today. We will be back tomorrow with a brand new episode 48 to continue through Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And tomorrow is Denim Day. So we will be talking about the case that Denim Day actually revolves around. So you'll get a a better understanding of why Denim Day exists. We do have a mini-sode on Denim Day, so we will be posting about that as well. So you can re-listen to that if you have, or if you haven't, you can listen to that for the first time. Um, But we will be talking about the specific case tomorrow. And so with that, be safe Be aware of your surroundings, continue to social distance if you can, and get vaccinated when you are able. See you tomorrow.